Hey, one announcement I forgot to mention real quick. Uh, WOG Bible study starts tomorrow evening at 6.30. That'll be down in the kids' barn. Yeah, so you don't want to miss that. That'll be every other Thursday through the summer starting tomorrow at 6.30. So don't miss that. Um, It's my honor to introduce our speaker here tonight. She um, has done this one time before uh, at her old church. The pastor asked asked her to speak and said, you know, I think you got a lot to share, you lo- a lot to offer, and so she came and she spoke, and she did a really good job, and the pastor said, hey, I'd love to have you come speak again, and she said, no, I'm good. <laughs> so, it uh, wasn't exactly the right season of life for her to kind of take that on, but, um, but here she is again tonight. Please welcome to the stage my wife, Morgan Crouch. You might be wondering what I'm doing up here. I am too. <laughs> no, Dallas asked me six months ago if he could schedule me for a Wednesday night in June, and I said, that'll be fine, but write it down in pencil. And I reserved the right to back out. <laughs> and I started praying for a word from the Lord to share with you. And I really believe that he's given me a word, just one word. One single word, but we will come back to that. I would like to take a moment to thank you as a church body. Um, We've been part of this church family for a little over a year now, and we're just, we couldn't have imagined all the good that would have come over the last year, and we're just really grateful to be part of it here. Um, You guys have welcomed us in and loved our family and prayed for our family. I know that you pray for Dallas and for the girls and for me, and we're just so grateful for how you love us, for teaching our kids down in Kids Barn, everything that you do. Um, Just thank you. I'd like to pray before we start. Dear God, um, thank you for this opportunity to share what you've put on my heart. Thank you for putting something on my heart to share. And thank you for being so faithful and so good and for giving me the strength to stand up here and for giving us this church family, and we just, we are so grateful for who you are and for how you continue to work in our lives. We love you a lot. I pray that you would open hearts to receive what you have for us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Just a little bit of a backstory on me if I haven't had the chance to know you yet. Um, I grew up around here. I grew up in Kingsport. My parents are sitting there in the back. Um, They still live here, and I've lived here my whole life. I grew up in the church, and by the grace of God, I walked with the Lord from a pretty young age. Um, Dallas and I met at Milligan, not too far away, and we both were student athletes in school, and we both remain pretty competitive to this day, by the way. (laughs) I think our life group has picked up on that. (laughs) We had a pretty intense game night the other night. Um, Also, we've recently learned pickleball. Anybody else? Pickleball? Okay, a few. Okay. Um, We just celebrated 11 years of marriage, and we have three girls. Oakley is eight, Charlie is six, and Andy is four. And motherhood has been the biggest blessing. I really do mean it. It has taught me so much about the heart of our father and the love that he has for us as his kids. Um, But it has also been 
much more challenging than I ever imagined. When I became a mom, I became so overwhelmed with the day-to-day -day tasks, and I think a lot of us do that. And whether you're a parent or not, maybe you are a student trying to keep up with school and all the projects and assignments, or maybe your workload has just gotten a little out of control and you're not sure how to handle it all. I think we can all get into a season like that. And still today, I feel like my list of things to do is never ending. Do the dishes, wash the laundry, clean the house, pull the weeds, not to mention actual parenting, being a wife and working. And I still struggle for sure, but the Lord has recently been showing me that it's when I approach these tasks with the wrong perspective that I get overwhelmed. For example, I clean the dishes because the kitchen is filthy, right? My motivation in that moment is to fix what's broken. It's from a place of shame. And that causes this downward spiral of overwhelm. I pull the weeds in the garden so that the garden beds don't look so terrible. Again, this is coming from a place of shame, right? I'm looking to fix what is wrong. But one night as I was loading the dishwasher, I felt the Lord put a single word on my heart. And it totally shifted my perspective. And that word is prepare. Prepare. This word, prepare, kept popping up for me at various times as I was doing these tasks. And I realized I'm not just loading the dishwasher. I am preparing my kitchen for tomorrow so that tomorrow can be filled with a little more peace and a little more joy as I prep meals and enjoy time with my family. I'm not just pulling the weeds to make it look better. I am preparing a place for new things. I am making room for growth. And I'm not just breaking up fights between my girls. I am teaching and preparing their hearts for healthy relationships in the future. This perspective shift changed everything for me. But he didn't just apply it to my housekeeping and my mothering. He is also applying it to my heart. So let's get into scripture. We will be in the book of John this evening. We're going to be in John chapter 14, if you want to pull that up. John 14, verse 19, and we'll go through verse 26. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my commandments. He will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. I don't know about you, but sometimes I tend to view the Holy Spirit as a tattletale. We know all about tattletaling in our house these days. <clears throat> but really, sometimes I see his job as trying to get me in trouble and feel bad about myself. But this passage says he, the Holy Spirit, he's our helper. He will teach us all things and bring to our remembrance the things Jesus has said. He is a helper and one who reminds us of the words and the ways of Jesus. 
And this is how he is applying that same mindset shift to my heart. When I am convicted of something, it's easy to feel like I'm being punished and that downward spiral begins. But God is actually working in my heart to prepare my heart for eternity with him. And this is a new perspective that he is still teaching and working on in me. But I do think it's our natural reaction when we are convicted of something. It's to sit in the shame of it and think, oh, I've got to pull these weeds from my heart because I'm feeling guilty about this. Or God has pointed this thing out to me, and I've got to stop doing this and do more of that. And it becomes this downward spiral of shame, us trying to fix it, coming up short, and more shame. But that's our narrow perspective. God has a different perspective. He is looking at our lives in the light of eternity through the lens of Christ. And he is actually preparing our hearts for eternity with him. And when we start to view our lives in the light of eternity too, our perspective can shift from feeling like we are being punished to feeling like we are being prepared for a holy life of eternity with a dad who smiles at us and loves us deeply. Our life on earth is this tiny little speck compared to the time we will have with him in eternity. And when we can begin to see our convictions, our trials, our pruning as preparation for eternity, our perspective and our attitudes can dramatically shift. Allowing him to purify our hearts feels less like punishment and more like preparation when we view it in light of eternity. We had a miscarriage in 2017 and after our loss, we planted an apple tree in our backyard. I'm not a gardener, but this apple tree is something that I do desire to see grow and produce fruit because it is so special to me. But one day I was looking at it and thought it should be growing bigger by now. And I was mentioning this to a friend and she said, oh, you just need to prune it. Apple trees love to be pruned. So I said, I Googled how to prune an apple tree. And a few minutes later I had pruned it. But of, out of all the trees in our backyard, that's the only tree I have ever pruned. That's the only one I really care about growing and producing fruit. And the point being, God prunes those that he loves. Now, this doesn't mean that he causes bad things to happen to us, but trials will inevitably come. And Romans 8.28 says, We know that God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. He can use those trials to build us up in Christ and pull us closer to him if we allow him. And this pruning can also look like conviction. Maybe you feel God pruning your heart, asking you to change some habits or let some things go so that your heart can be more fully his. You can rejoice in that. He is delighting in you and anticipating good things for you, just like I delight in that apple tree and wish to see it bear fruit. In that apple tree pruning YouTube video, the guy said what you want to do is take a step back from the tree and picture in your mind how you want the tree to look, the form that you want it to ultimately take. And anything that is not part of the end goal, those can go because you don't want them taking the energy away from the tree that you're actually trying to grow. And that's what God is doing with us too. He is looking at the bigger picture. Becoming more and more like Jesus is the end goal and Jesus is our form. Jesus is the form. He is pruning or convicting of us, us of things because he cares for us and he is preparing our hearts to be more like his. Scripture uses this pruning language in John chapter 15. 
This is John 15, verses 1 and 2. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. In this passage, Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches that God is pruning in order to bear more fruit. And we as the branches are completely dependent upon the vine. Branches cannot live apart from the vine. When you cut off a branch, it dies. And we cannot have true life apart from Jesus Christ. Keep in mind, this is the fruit of the Holy Spirit living in us, which is available through Jesus. And abiding in Jesus produces the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. When we are abiding in Jesus, this is the fruit that we bear. If I see the wrong fruit popping up in my heart like impatience with my kids, which can happen a lot these days, I know that I am not connected to the vine in that moment. When I feel myself getting stressed out because of all the things I've got to do, I know where I need to go. Jesus is the game changer for us. Romans 8 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Walking according to the spirit Realigning ourselves with Jesus is the only way to stop that downward spiral. And this doesn't just mean doing the things that he said or even doing the things that he did, although those things are obviously great. This means becoming more like the person that he is. And we can do that through spiritual practices that lead to spiritual transformation. And I'm not going to go into detail about those because we've recently gone through those here at Grace Meadows. But things I have found especially helpful in this season are things like resting, meditating on scripture, and silence. Although silence is really tricky when Andy is around. <laughs> Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 3. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. He wants the unnecessary things gone, pruned away so that energy in our lives can go towards things that actually grow us up in the ways of Christ. So is there something, maybe a habit, addiction, a priority that God is wanting to prune in your life. This could be anything, and maybe you already know what it is. It could be people-pleasing or pride or unforgiveness. It could even be social media or watching TV. And with things like that, he may not be asking you to take them completely out of your life, or maybe he is, but maybe he's asking you to put those things back in the proper hierarchy in our hearts and put him back on the throne. And if you do feel convicted of something, what is your view of God in that moment? How is he looking at you? What's the expression on his face? And does that align with truth? Paul says in Romans 2.4 that it is his loving kindness that leads us to repentance. 
Do we see the love in his eyes as he calls these things out in us, hoping to refine us? He convicts us because he ultimately desires good things for us, and he is preparing us for eternity with him starting right now, and there is nothing better than that. Psalm 119, 103, and 104 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Maybe you are having a hard time believing that his words are sweeter than honey or sweeter than that thing in your heart that you want the most right now. That's a really good place to start. That's a really good prayer. To ask him to make his words, his commands, his will, ask him to make him your ultimate desire above everything else. Further down in John 15, starting in verse 8, Jesus says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Abiding in him, staying connected to the vine, is our life source. And from that life source grows the ability to learn his ways, obey his commandments, and love one another. The book of John opens in chapter 1 with the line, In the beginning was the word. And the very last verse of the very last chapter of John says this, now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. The book of John starts with a single word, who is Jesus. And it ends with this overflow of words. I love the picture that that paints. Through Jesus, this single word, we now have an abundance of words that all make sense because of him. If Jesus hadn't stepped into the world, we would have good reason to be overwhelmed. We would be struggling to earn our way. But because of Jesus, everything changes. He did what we could not do. We have all fallen short, but when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. And that's why this downward spiral can stop. Because of his great love for us, we can freely respond by wrapping our lives up in him. Like a branch twists up around the vine, my hope is that our lives would be so wrapped up in Jesus as we grow to know that there is truly nothing better than him. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. As he prepares unimaginably good things for us, may we allow him to also prepare our hearts to receive it. May we be so caught up, wrapped up in the love of Christ that we can allow everything else to fade and fall away. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the fact that he changed everything for us. Thank you that we can have life and have it to the full because of what he did for us. Thank you that the downward spiral can stop because we can be complete and full and free in you. Thank you for the love 
that you pour on us and for the grace that you give us that we do not deserve. We love you a lot. In Jesus' name, amen.